Welcome to Laugh It Up Fuzzball. I am Joe the Wookie Riot. Welcome to the podcast where we talk about life, the universe, and everything, but mostly geek stuff. A place where we get to let our geek flag fly and talk about all things geek. As I've said before, this isn't an amalgamation of geek news or a comprehensive guide to all genres or the world of geekdom. Hopefully it's just a fun place to cover some geek news, comics, The Simpsons, Star Wars, and whatever randomness finds its way on the recording. But let us get started. Well, hey, hey, friends. Welcome to Level 253 of Laugh It Up Fuzzballs. Uh, ha! Zub means friends. And uh, yes, the uh, promise recording that I talked about in level 252, me and Danny with a surprise uh, Star Warsy something or other, is happening. It's it's right in your ear holes right now. And uh, while it's not live for you, it's live for me and for Mr. Deuce, Sheriff Deuce of Dusseldorf. Hey, buddy. Hey, Corporal Deuce reporting to duty, sir. Corporal Deuce, wow, you... That's so great that you got to pick a rank and you were so real with it. <laughs> you could have been anything you want to do. You could have been star captain, deuce. Uh, you know, you could have been general deuce. You could have been admiral, rear admiral deuce. Uh, you could have been anything, but you want corporal. Yeah, I'm a grunt. I want to. I want to stay in the trenches. That's where. Yeah. That's where. That's where my happiness lies in the mud. Don't, don't you call me sir. I work for JZ Living. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, welcome, friends, to uh, Danny and the Wook talking about not just Star Wars, but specifically Star Wars as it relates to the military. Yes, sir. And uh, the entire brainchild behind this thing is while I was dropping a deuce. At work. <laughs> Pun intended, I guess. I was reading uh, the third book in the Alphabet Squadron uh, story. And, uh, you know, some of the Alphabet Squadron pilots are talking to General Sindula. And it, I actually had a moment where I was like, man, all these, like, Star Wars, like, fighter pilots just, like, talk to all these generals. That shit doesn't feel very realistic to me. <laughs> and then, like, it, like, I just sort of took this, like, poop thought wormhole where i was like man there's some stuff in star wars that's really that hits me like really very like accurate to like military uh and then there's some stuff that doesn't and uh there's a lot of like weird like interconnectivity and like the ideas behind the story for lucas and for the way that the militaries are like established both historical and contemplatively and i was like you know who i should talk to about this danny because uh (laughs) Well, we, I mean, we've mentioned it here and there on the podcast, but but both me and Mr. Deuce were veterans of the United States military. Uh, aye, aye, Captain. Yeah. <laughs> oh, neither of us were in the Navy, but we're a couple <laughs> of sailors. Hey! Hey! and Asparagus never did no military service, unless you count how we service the military. But I always do my duty. <laughs> oh, yeah. All the duty. <laughs> You said the duty. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, if, uh, if we're just going to real quick, like, I served 14 years in the United States Air Force as both a medic and a flight medic. For, like, the flight medic was, like, the last 10 years. Uh, flew as a, as a medic with nurses, flight nurses on C-130, C-17, KC-135. Deployed six times. Uh, been to many different countries. Done some really cool stuff. Like, me and Danny were talking about off mic. Like, ordinary people that got to do some extraordinary things including like command and control for six months of all medical movements in the area of responsibility, like some pretty neat stuff. Like military is very near and dear to my heart. And it's not the reason I like star Wars, 
but I think a lot of people don't appreciate the wars part of the stars. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just fun. It's like lasers and X wings and like uh, 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 exhaust ports and guys with asthma and good robotics. Uh, but they don't really stop and think, uh, like, huh, this this movie is about militaries and paramilitaries and resistance units and maybe even galactic terrorists, depending on your point of view. And uh, I think there's a conversation to be had of the military of it all. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah. <laughs> you want to get your, your bona fides, why I think you're uh, you're qualified to have this discussion, Mr. Deuce? Um, my resume isn't as long as yours, but... Uh, I served three and a half years in the 82nd Airborne as an airborne infantryman. Um, I spent the whole time in a infantry platoon. I was a infantry soldier. Uh, I did 15 months in Iraq in a forward operating uh, operating patrol base. Um, uh, I've been shot at a bunch. I've been blown up twice. Um, yeah. I thought it was three times. No, just twice. Like that's not enough. <laughs> I'm, count, I'm counting. Hold on. Uh, no, it was twice. Okay. No, I think the third time an RPG was shot at me and it was coming right in my face, and then last minute the fin broke off and it lost trajectory. Oh Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was literally just watching my life disappear in front of me. Yeah, I, I definitely like. So the, the difference, like you know, Danny says he sells himself short with just like three and a half years, but. As a military member, like, I'll, I'll be real honest, like, being in the Air Force and being a flyer, like, relatively safe. Although, if you come at me as a civilian, like, oh, you just had it so safe, you can go fuck yourself. Because it wasn't that <laughs> safe. You know what I mean? Like, there are plenty of times where, where planes that were flown had, had extra holes in them when they landed. Or we had no idea that something bad was. I think that's the biggest thing, how you could become so oblivious to all the scary-ass shit that's actually happening around you. And you just, like, go about your life. Like, okay, I, the information is not in front of me, so I'll just deal with it. Like, being in Afghanistan for the periods of time I was, and you just got used to explosions. You can get used to them. And you're like, was that planned or unplanned? Meh, shoulder shrug. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, we really weird. I was deployed during 9-11. That was strange. Um, I, can, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, literally deployed for Operation Southern Watch back when being deployed was, like, going to summer camp and then watch the entire world change and watch – Places in the world change. I've spent some time in Djibouti, Africa. I know I've mentioned that once or twice on the podcast. Uh, Germany and Afghanistan and Oman and Bahrain and Qatar and UAE and lots of fucking places. And then lived in Japan and all over the the Pacific and the South Pacific. And yeah, just a, a weird, interesting life that I think is just like everybody has these experiences. But the truth is people don't. <laughs> Uh, you just sort of sell yourself short for like the extraordinary things you have to do. Um, but that that being said, like that's just us saying like by no means are we military experts have experienced everything there is to have in the world of the military. Uh, we have some experience of uh, being actually war veterans. Uh, Danny, much more so than me. Uh, although I, I I definitely saw the effects of war as a flight medic, which is its own unique challenge. <laughs> <laughs> just to put it mildly. Uh, but, you know, when, when we enjoy the Star Wars shit, which we enjoyed before we were vets, and then enjoy afterwards, like, a lot of the military stuff, like, it's differently, you know what I mean? Yes. Agreed. So, um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Do it. No, because 
I, I do have one topic that I would like to discuss. And is I don't think people give stormtroopers enough credit when it comes to their accuracy. Okay. I, I, I know that when you watch the movies, they can't hit the side of a barn. And that's on film. That's that's canon, right? But people forget or don't realize that there are garrison soldiers. Garrison soldiers don't spend much time on the range practicing their accuracy. So when I think when you see elite troopers like the dark troopers in Rogue One who are, are, are much acute to their weapons and the uh, stormtroopers from the Mandalorian episode of The Return of the Fett you know, they're actually able to hit their targets. They're much more effective, right? So when you get to that scene on um, in New Hope where uh, Ben Kenobi is explaining, like, these shots are way too accurate for, you know, Tusken Raiders. And it sounds like, yeah, because those were actually field stormtroopers. Those are their, those are the grunts. They're out there and they know how to use their weapons. The, the guys, the guys in the storm, the, the Death Star, they weren't expected to be boarded. They just had their, you know, their thing discovered a couple moments before they blew up Alderaan. Like, they're not used to being, like, boarded and, and shot at. Right. I mean, I, I do think that's that's an important point. Like, you know, somebody that's not, you know, born and bred or been in the military just thinks, like, all all soldiers are the same, all stormtroopers are the same. But that's not true. Like, the military uses, like different skill sets for different things and they're like i i can think of like being in bases where like the mps like never saw any shit and their entire job is like just to secure the thing but if all hell broke loose like they're not going to be the the battle tested like tried and true like military member that's going to stop like an insurrection they're just gonna be like oh shit (laughs) and if, if they start firing at the bad guy like they may not be as accurate as like somebody that's like you know sitting in a foxhole and that accuracy is the difference between life and death that's that's 100% correct. And I'll, I'll be 100%. Like, I shot the M16 many times in my career. I suck at it. Like, I am not good. <laughs> Barely qualifying. Sometimes shooting more than once because I didn't qualify the first time. Now, with the M9, I always shot expert. I don't know why that weapon. Maybe it's my thug life. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you came from the hood. The rough yeah. streets of uh, Kashyyyk. <laughs> but yeah, like with the M16, God, I, w- I am not the person you would want like at the gate, like where my accuracy uh, was the difference between your uh, resistance defeating the the evil empire. Uh, nor uh, nor would you want me just to have an M9 because there's not many rounds and uh, its accuracy is uh, only effective at a certain a certain distance. distance. They would have to be entirely way too close to me to be like shooting headshots. <laughs> <laughs> and you bring up but, a good point, like some jobs in the military. You know, combat is just a job description on paper. It's not what you're expected to do. So you do range time once a year just to keep your paperwork current, say you've done it. Compared right. to, you know, someone who's a combat MOS, you're shooting your rifle practically every week, you know, you know, doing different drills, practically becoming a different muscle. You know, there is points where I was shooting, you know, because I'm right-handed. I was shooting left-handed just because I needed to stimulate my brain somehow because it came so monotonous of just shooting my weapon normal right-handed that I had to switch arms just to learn how to gain some brain activity of what I was doing. Yeah. So I, I think that's all to say, like, 
stormtroopers like yes like you know wildly inaccurate but i think it's a an overgeneralization just to say that their aim sucks i mean it's a great joke like in mandalorian season one you know what i mean where they're missing but then you get like bill burr's character where he's like i'm not a stormtrooper you know what i mean like he was much more elite and like he's he's really offended by that entire idea of a stormtrooper just sucking and shooting he's like fuck you like i i i'm a more skilled like i'm a combat mos like in the empire or the you know the dark not the dark troopers but the uh the black stormtroopers from rogue one uh my brain's coming up short death troopers yeah the death troopers like they're like surgically augmented you know what i mean for increased speed and range and you know much better or even looking at like the clones, you know what I mean? Like where they were all genetically like designed from like somebody who was a good shot. So, you know, clones are, are much more accurate. Um, you know, the bad batch, super accurate. But you get you just get, you know, schlub Joe off the street and you hand him a blaster rifle and you know, he, he may not be so great. <laughs> Especially when you shoot him once a year. That's what we're saying. <laughs> like when you when you look at the the wars and the stars and then start thinking from a military angle, like there's some some different considerations. Yep. Yep, yep. Like, I remember talking to you when we were talking about Mando Season 2. You really got your jollies off at the fire team. In, uh, oh, so yeah, good. Episode 6 or 7 of, uh, of Season 2. Yeah. Where, where the stormtroopers are landing, like, going after Mando and Boba Fett and uh, what's-her-noodle, uh, Fennec Shand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you got three three highly skilled operators against like these fire teams, but they're they're literally hitting the shore much more than just some garrison troops on like the Death Star. Yeah. No, and and it's not that just they're hitting the shore. You're like they they showed tactical prowess. They were flanking. They were support suppressive fire. They brought in you know artill like short 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 range artillery. Like there was maneuverability. They, you know, and that's like, okay, that's how you would fight instead of what we've seen, I guess, a la, uh, you know, battle droids who essentially still had the file and rank style of like colonial wartime where you just line up in the line and just walk forward. And then the, the, when the person in front, you know, gets stuck down, you just move up. And as you would see within like in the Clone Wars. But so that was I think that was bona fide. I was like, all right. Those aren't your garrison troopers. These are legit, like, grunts coming in, um, even though they still got their asses handed to them by Boba. But it's still, like, you know, if it wasn't for Beskar armor, like, we wouldn't have got to the Boba part because they were just that well. They were accurate. They were trained. They knew what they were doing. It was wonderful. Right. I mean, I think uh, one of the things I was thinking about with, like, you know, all this, all the military and and Star Wars, I was reading some articles and, like, they were talking about, like, Star Wars and other sci-fi, like, sort of perpetuates this myth that uh, the only way to win a war is through, like, superior technology. And I am not saying that superior technology does not help in in prosecuting a war. By all means, it does. But uh, wars are not completely about, like... Who has the better stuff, as evidenced by the Forever War, a.k.a. the 20-year war in Afghanistan? Um, (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, if it was all about technology and superior, like, force and everything, like, that would have been over a lot longer. (laughs) You know, it would have been been real quick. You know, one and done. Operation Desert Storm. Woo! Get the lunch (laughs) pail. It's over. George W. Bush is happy. (laughs) George H.W. Bush. But, yeah. Uh, 
you know, technology, like, as, as you've as seen in Star Wars, like, the Empire is superior technologically, you know, based off the grounds of the, the Galactic Republic moving to the Galactic Empire. They, they've got the resources. They've got the people. They've got the planets. They've got the Dunia mines. They've got all that jazz. And the, the Rebel Alliance is, like, on a wing and a prayer with, like, a, a roll of duct tape and a freaking <laughs> R2 unit, like, fighting, fighting this. I'm not... I mean, there are parallels where you could say they're the Taliban in the story versus, like, you know, the the U.S. military. I don't really like that because, you know, it's just overly simplistic. But uh, wars are not all about technology. And I do appreciate, like, you know what I mean, like in Star Wars where uh, the plucky rebels with less resources can, like, figure it out. You know what I mean? With with uh, tactics and, and superior leadership and espionage. And yeah, espionage. Espionage. Yeah, I mean, and, like, I think everybody lumps in, like, oh, Star Wars, it's just one type of war. And, uh, you know, of course, there's there's different kinds of wars, and some wars better than others. But, oh, Star Wars is better. <laughs> like, fuck, war sucks. Like, and, like, that's one thing. Like, if it looks like they're having a good time, I'm not going to say there aren't good times to be had in the middle of, like, people shooting at your ass. But uh, that's usually, like, a defense mechanism to get, to keep from uh, appreciating the the sheer awfulness of the situation <laughs> sometimes if you don't laugh you don't you cry <laughs> or you do both at the same time because you're complicated man <laughs> uh, but yeah like i think uh i think sometimes star wars like you you miss out on that military like people dying you know like you go you go to star wars you watch the original like episode four Man, people dying, and we're not just talking about billions on Alderaan. Like people dying, like all the innocent contractors on the Death Star. You know what I mean? In Episode Six, <laughs> shout out to my boy Kevin Smith. Um, but yeah, like you know, Luke, Luke's you know adopted parents, Owen and Beru, all them Jawas. You know, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure, although the comics do uh, suggest that uh, Panda Baba and Doctor Evazan were okay afterwards. Uh, I, I, I spent <laughs> having your arm cut off, like you know. In the middle of a war, that's a that's not a great thing. Lots of people down in the Death Star. Lots of lots of X wings just straight got picked off on that oh, uh, trench run. Oh, awful! Yeah, awful. rest rest in peace, Porkins. <laughs> but that also comes back to the technology aspect, right? Because the Empire was much much well more funded. They had they were pretty much had the entrenched. They had the upper hand, not only did they have the fighter superiority, but they had the, the ground support superiority as well. Um, but, like, one aspect, because I know we're talking a lot about, like, the structured uh, main big government military, but one thing that I really like that they've shown in uh, Bad Batch, Rogue One, and the and Rebels series, it's kind of like the complication of running a militia especially when you're fighting for an ideal because the problem with when you're when your main when your main purpose you know for fighting a war or an insurrection or whatever you know it's often idea right whatever that idea is you know that's your version of the idea and then you have variations of the idea so you have you know um saw guerrera's idea of freedom and how to achieve, you know, achieve his goal. And then you have Hera's idea of freedom and how to achieve that goal and like what lines across. And then Mon Mofta, Mon, Mon, wow. Her ideas. Yeah. Thank you. 
her ideas and and kind of like the struggle of like we're stronger together but we can't be you know it's complicated for us to be together because we all are struggling to line up our ideas in a way for us to cooperate right you know and that's what that scene in, in at rogue one where like they wouldn't attack scarif you know they wouldn't agree because they all couldn't get on the same page and like and that's why i took the action of you know Jen, whatever but it was like the diplomacy part of running a rebellion and pretty much like you said duct tape and chewing gum uh, a military force with no funds you know probably planetary system militias and whatever army surplus that they were able to find from the clone wars or what other planetary systems were uh disarmed by the empire and just piece that stuff together and then that's what we're going to use to fight this this behemoth of a powerhouse. Right. I think that's, that's it. They do a good job of showing that. And I think right now, if you're watching Bad Batch, especially with the last, the Ryloff episodes that they've done, like it wasn't very Bad Batchy, but it's beautiful in the sense of just like, this is how you would start a rebellion or whatever you want to call it, whatever advantage you want to use. Like it's really just remnants of, of people trying to fight for an ideal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the the more you like analyze like Star Wars under like a military lens, like, you know, we're going to we're going to try to do justice in like an hour or so. But it's complicated, you know, like just from the sheer angle that when you're when you're watching Star Wars, you're not not for the most part looking at a contemporary analysis of like the the current military. You're more seeing uh, military history on display. Uh, Anything from like the X-Wing like fights being like you know originally inspired by world war ii movies like films of like world war ii aviators uh to uh battle lines like you know when the gungans are up against the the droid army on naboo yes people don't like episode one but that battle is you know really like entrenched in like ancient roman warfare or medieval warfare or even up to like you know the american revolution you know that old style of warfare where you've got two lines even if you think of like the battle of hoth you've got the entrenched, uh, you know, rebel army on Hoth, and then you've got the the walkers coming in. That's that could even be like the Battle of the Bulge with Patton and his tanks, you know, coming in at Bastille, and the Germans on the other side. You know what I mean? It's it's a lot of military history being put with lasers and and uh, and snow and salt or whatever you want. You know? Yeah. It's, and, well, well, you know, the Battle of Naboo is just a siege, right? They're they're not even a militia at that point. They're probably an overfunded police force, you know, and, and you have a military coming in. And how do you defend yourselves when you're completely outnumbered and outgunned? Right. And I mean, like everybody knows the connections between like the Galactic Empire and like Nazi Germany. There's mm-hmm. also a lot of, a lot of ties to like, especially Julius Caesar in Rome, like, where there was a grand republic in Rome, and then when when Caesar like takes power and assumes more power for himself and reestablishes it under an empire, and mm-hmm. crown, crowns himself Caesar, uh, which then leads to like many many Caesars and some really great history. Roman history is pretty pretty righteous to read, um, but like that that falls right in line with what goes down with like the you know the Galactic Republic and the Empire, uh, or even if you just want to go to like you know, indigenous teddy bears on the, on the forest moon of Endor. <laughs> like, that literally is a Vietnam parallel, only 
George Lucas wants you to side with the Viet Cong. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, quite literally, like, there's, there's so much, like, military stuff that's, like, you know, entrenched in this, in this, you know, silly, like, you know, epic space opera. Uh, and it's sort of wild. Um, but that, that's to say, like, if you're looking for, like, some more modern parallels, you have to come to some of the, the newer stuff in the canon. Yes, it's under the Disney era, no matter what you feel about that. Alphabet Squadron, I'm, like, in the middle of the third book. But I really appreciate a lot of the stuff they're doing with, like, the fighter pilots talking. And especially in the second book, they really, like, interact with the ground pounders and what's going on on Chidawa. And it's it's pretty freaking interesting, you know what I mean? Like, the different interactions that they have. And, like, you've got the different personality types. And I'm like, I've, I've encountered all these personality types. Like, this feels very Air Force. Like, a lot of the times with, like, you know, being rebel scum, I'm like, no, I feel this. Because uh, I, I, I got definite taste of this being in the Air Force. <laughs> I, uh, I had many, many interactions with uh, with, with fighter pilots. I mean, heck, the, the 44th was the fighting cocks including their wives called themselves the cockettes. It's a whole thing. Uh, but You know what I mean? Like uh, I met some really damn cool fighter pilots and I, I met some cocky SOBs, you know, but uh, a lot of the cocky SOBs were good at what they did. You know? So while you're like idolizing like Luke Skywalker, or, like Poe Dameron, but if you like, don't like any of Poe Dameron's like character flaws, well, he's a brash fighter pilot and he's good at what he does. So he might not like have the best like social skills because <laughs> that's semi-accurate. With, uh, with some, <laughs> some fighter pilots that I've encountered, you know, Poe Dameron's got his whole list of cockettes that are there for him, you know. <laughs> I'm sure he does. And they they've they've gone to where like they've complicated it in in some beautiful ways. Like Claudia Gray and Lost Stars, it entirely revolves around this this not really a couple is ultimately the word, but it's it's this convoluted crazy love story. You know, two people that end up in the Galactic Empire, but one of them ends up a rebel and one of them ends up Imperial. And what that does for their friendship and their relationship. And, uh, you know, there's times where you, you hear the Imperial side about, you know, them wanting, you know, vengeance for, like, what happens at the Death Star and all the lives lost there. Uh, or even getting to Alphabet Squadron or other stuff with Operation Cinder and the things that happen, you know, post the demise oh, of Emperor Palpatine. Fuck. Uh, even going to, like, that that beautiful episode with freaking Maywald, uh, whether, whether in the Imperial thing and, like running running the mission and him dealing with like his own personal feelings about like his actions during war because uh while it's great to serve and well i think it's fair to say we're both proud of our service like sometimes you do some shit that you're not entirely proud of you know that's that's sort of the nature of war that's why we say it sucks <laughs> yes yes it does yeah and uh some people learn to deal with it and others drink a lot uh some, <laughs> some do both <laughs> But I think uh, they're they're finding ways to delve into the psyche of like the military of it all, which is nice, at least as a as a service member, you know. Yeah, I, and I think I think they did a good job on that. If you're not reading the books, is the episode of season two in the Mandalorian where uh, where Mando and I can't remember his name right now, but when they went undercover at that Imperial base, and he kind of has to blend in and, and play soldier again and at first it's kind of muscle memory he can do it but then he realized why he hated it and why he left and like why the empire sucks and then he's talking to his former superior officer and how proud he was you know during operation cinder and you know his viewpoint of like they didn't kill people you know they died for their your their that they died for the cause they gave their life for the cause, and it's just like, oh, like, 
that uh, perception, right? Because of, of of battle, like that's that was a good scene of them depicting that for sure. Yeah, yeah, with with Maywald and Mando's really really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, like going back to like the the military history thing, like even going to Jedi's, you know, there's connections to the Knights Templar in medieval history. There's connections to samurai, you know. Um, there's there's some really neat stuff and like things like battle forms and everything like like come from that. But you know, if you go straight with the Knights Templar analogy, like read into their history and see their great 200 year run where they had complicated reasons for helping people. Uh, pilgrims you know with the crusades and whatnot but also look at what like you know king philippe the fourth of france did to them after 200 years uh, <laughs> sort of reminds you of a historical example of order 66 <laughs> <laughs> pretty accurate <laughs> so but i mean that that's part of it like it's it's all these this tangled myriad of like different military things like all blended together into this lovely like fake you know adventure in space you know there's the wars and then there's the stars, but it, I think I, I think just both of us thought it was interesting to like discuss like you know the the military aspects of it, even to the point of like I think it's really ridiculous that like uh, like Han Solo becomes a general, like Luke Skywalker becomes a general, and then they just talk to everybody because it doesn't work that way. Uh, well, I mean, it would work that way if you if you didn't really have any military structure, right? Because again, the rebellions are just patchworks. So they were probably promoted to generals in Monmouth militia, but they're probably not recognized in any other militia. You know, so it's like it's kind of a weird thing when you're when you're in a militia because there's no real rank and file structure. Like it's just rank. Like I just give orders, but it doesn't really establish that you're better than everyone. It's just like you're just a commander. Right. Well, and I also, like, on that same token, I think, like, you're like, oh, General Hoth Solo, different than Grand Moff Tarkin. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yes, it's a title, but like uh, Danny was saying, with the military rank and file, like, there is a much stricter rank and file, like, on the Imperial side than there is in the ragtag plucky rebels, you know? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's like, oh, you're still alive? You get to be a general. Good job, Luke Skywalker. (laughs) (laughs) Pat on the head. Hey, yeah, buddy. We're, uh, but, we're, you have to <laughs> subvert and stab in the back and position to like rise in the imperial ranks. Yeah, but the the going back to the Jedi and the Jedi Council and stuff like that that always interests me because it's complicated, but I think it's supposed to be complicated, so that's why it is complicated. But like, they get promoted in wartime to be generals, which is, I think this is part of Palpatine's plan, but. They're just educated people. They're not, you know, soldiers. They're not commanders. They're not wartime leaders. They're just, you know, they're quote-unquote peacekeepers who have their own style of fighting, but they were never meant to be soldiers, let alone commanders. So it was, like, weird. As soon as they were at war, like, they were given a division of, of clone troopers. And it was like, well, they don't really have any qualifications to be commanders. And their Padawans automatically get promoted to, like, I forgot what rank. Uh, I forgot what rank the, the Padawans got. But, like, the, the I think that maybe commander and then the Jedis were generals, if I remember correctly. Something like that, yeah. Something like that. But it always weird to me, like, you have a 16-year-old, 14-year-old, 15-year-old kid 
being their like commander, like this guy's number two, and like this guy's barely able to like lead by example. And I think Clone Wars did a, a good example of like showing those deficiencies, right? Like you could just you could have be morally high ground, you could have wisdom, but it doesn't make you a great commander. Right. No, I agree. Uh, I don't know if I lost you on that one. No, you didn't lose me. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. When, whenever I see, like, a leader in, in a military organization, any movie or Star Wars, I just, <laughs> I'm reminded that I, I served under some remarkable officers, and then I served under some less than remarkable officers. <laughs> yeah. uh, a college degree does not merit a good leader. Uh, but some are, you know. Yeah. Just some are called to the task. But, uh, you know, it is it is what it is. What else we got military style, Mr. Danny? All right. You know, and I always found the one thing in Clone Wars weird is the the droids. I never understood why you would manufacture soldiers, because that's what the droids are, soldiers, to be that stupid. Because, yeah. because all of them were really dumb. And I get it, it was probably done for comedic effect, for, you know, to sell toys and whatnot, because this, this is kids' movies for kids, you know, kids. But it's like, they're supposed to be, you know, a lot of them are on the, you know, in it. They, they get thrown out there. They're pretty goofy, except for, like, you know, the the droidicas and the super battle droids, and then you have your tactical droids. But the regular B1 battle droids, they're goofballs. It, I, I always, that always bothers me on how dumb they are at doing their jobs. <laughs> okay. But at the same time, there's so many of them, it doesn't matter. Okay. So, so they have kind of like, they're just, they're just so many battle droids that they could just lose as many as they want because they just have the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And I love I love battle droid comedy in the Clone Wars. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but it's just like, why would you make why would you make a Century Guard that fucking stupid? Where when they see something, the first thing they go is like, "Are you supposed to be here?" And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, why are you so stupid? This is your this is your one directive. <laughs> this is your prime directive. Why are you so dumb? Yeah, they uh, they just didn't spend the money on all the programming. <laughs> uh, I mean, like I, I I see. I mean, they're they're machines, so I don't really I fall too line. I mean, I think of like you know some of the machines they you know the the uh, the EOD like robots. Do you know what I mean? That they give funny names like Larry Moe and Curly were the the robots on one of the bases <laughs> I was on, and then Curly got blown up, so they replaced him with Shemp. <laughs> uh but but yeah like you know what i mean like those those droids didn't have any personality they had they had a a, a service so to speak and yes they, they've complicated droids with like different things in in the canon especially the books and the comics um but you know the the clones are where like i see see a lot of the i'm like wow i knew that guy you know what i mean like <laughs> Or, or that guy might be Danny. That might, that might be exactly how Danny would have been if he was dropping into, to wherever to, to fight the droid army. <laughs> I, th- I think they do a really good job. I mean, it's kind of weird because they're clones, but 
with like the 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 brotherhood of soldiers you know like the interaction between the clones and then kind of like um they and it, there's little nuances they done they don't really like fall into this but kind of like the shit you give to other units like the shit talking in the military they do a good job on it in clone wars on that too yeah well, I guess that's a that's a good point to be like when when have you felt like Star Wars content has really like hit the nail on the head with like the military that we're like this feels real or as real as you know a silly a silly you know setting Ooh. in space can be. Ooh, there's a couple of so there's a couple Clone War episodes that were good. Um, one of the first ones where they introduced Fives in his little uh firing squad when he was a uh, he was just pulling security on that moon that uh, was a good one uh another one was the uh the battle of ryloth where essentially the twi'leks and their clone squad and the jedi were uh cut off from supplies and essentially sacrificed themselves so the 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 twi'leks can get away that was that was a really good one and kind of like the service of duty that the, the, the clone troopers and the Jedi's felt, you know, knowing what decision that they were making and still doing it and doing it, you know, to the fullest extent of their capability. That was a really good one. Yeah. Um, oh, geez. What's another one? Another one was the uh, Republic commando books by Karen Travis. I know they're not canon anymore, but the relationship between the Knoll art troopers uh, within their the and between each other, uh, their their military conduct, how they viewed everybody else was also really on par to at least to my experience with my military service. Okay. Now I know you also really like attached to like the events of like Rogue One and like different things that were going on in that movie. Oh fuck yeah, Rogue One. Fuck yes. Um, I mean, a lot of that is just Rogue One is beautifully done in in how it would be done, and that's what where I find so much beauty in it is, you know, when you have that uh that ambush on Jadea, like that's how you would ambush a much superior force, you know, like Saw Gerrera's militia at that moment is, you know strings you're they're hanging on threads at that point and you know they're still going at it and and to the point where they're still i want to say feared but you know they're 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 laying some damage to the imperials out there in judea um you know storming the beaches uh scarif by the the rebel alliance was was beautiful with the drop ships and and storming the beaches, trying to take the buncher, bunkers, trying to uh, was it, distract uh, attention from the the squad that is uh, trying to infiltrate the the bunker to get the information right. So you're trying to lay more suppressive fire on one section of the beach, so that way you can pull more of the forces towards you, so that way you allow Jay and her her platoon to accomplish their mission, like. A lot, just Rogue One in general. A lot of the military action is just delicious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they the when when they get it right, like they get it right. And there's definitely because I know a lot of a lot of my military buds 
really, really like Rogue One. Like, I think, like, when I first saw, me and Heather saw it, and, like, I walked out, and I didn't dislike it, but I just sort of was like, oh, like, wow. Like, that, oh, there's lots of things to process in, like, what I just experienced. And, like, even we went to go sing some karaoke. People were like, did you love it? And I was like, I really liked it. I'm like, wow, I need to I need to see that again. I need to unpack some feelings and get back into it, uh, which I think, like, sort of sort of like you know what i mean like it, it feels real because like i think one of the things when i'm watching like star wars and i know this is based because it's like fantasy and it's for kids but uh a lot of the a lot of the death or the destruction is like very uh muted you know what i mean and not like mm-hmm. up front in your face whereas in rogue one i didn't feel that way it was like you know what i mean <laughs> it was like right there on front street uh even more so than just like the main characters and uh you know that just it, it it's gonna make you feel a certain way and like it's not like you know there's there's this uh glorification of like death and duty like in anything having to do with the military but i think if you actually served it it hits a little bit different because you're like those are those are people you know like with their own hopes dreams and aspirations like thrust into extraordinary circumstances they had to like you know do what they did when when uh duty called but, you know, you're just like, oh, yeah, like, they, they killed that bad guy. Rah! And you're like, well, like, that bad guy didn't think he was a bad guy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, he, he was fighting for, for God and country, too, even if we don't agree with his reasons behind it, you know? Well, I mean, we don't know a lot of the reasons behind it, right? Because every planetary influence is different, right? And that's kind of why propaganda is so dangerous and yet so important is when you occupy maybe they're already part of a a galactic planet that was already friendly to the galactic empire like it's not going to take much persuasion for you to feel like you're doing the right thing serving your country or serving your planet or serving your whatever right yeah because it's all you're already entrenched it's giving you everything like you're like sure why not like i'll do this like it's no problem Nobody ever won a war by dying for his country. He won a war by making the other poor dumb bastard die for his. <laughs> <laughs> That's me with my big Rebel Alliance flag behind me and my my uh, Rebel flight cap chilling on and standing with my baton. <laughs> you you would be uh, one intimidating Rebel, sir. When you roll roll over and put your hand into a pile of goo, which used to be a Wookiee friend's face. You know what to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I really, I'm digging these Alphabet Squadron books uh, because they're they're telling the tale from both, uh, from the Rebel, or, yeah, the Rebel and the, uh, the you know, uh, the 204th, the the, um, the TIE Fighter pilots, like, point of view. And, like, you, you see them, like, mourning their dead and uh, discussing, like, re- ideas of revenge and, and, like, what they're what they're doing and while i don't agree with like operation cinder and like the entire imperial war machine i i do get you know in a way as a historian i guess as an empathetic human being that uh you know they have reasons behind what they're doing and i i appreciate when like you get a character that like their planet they feel like it was made better by whatever happened with the galactic empire um although that's not the not the story of every single person as as real life star wars is complicated uh, as yeah. complicated as you want it to be. It can't just be uncomplicated. And it can just be, like, funny watching the fat guy die on the trench run of the first Death Star. Poor Parkins. But, uh, you know what I mean? Like, 
there's a there's a lot more to it and that's not to say that i think me or danny think you you need to rewatch these movies with a critical lens thinking of the poor military schmucks that are involved in it all but uh, i think because you know having had this podcast last as long as possible it's an interesting conversation to have you know where what is going on what are you watching what is it telling you you know what is the purpose of the filmmaker i i would submit that george lucas really wants you to feel probably a little bit different than most people do <laughs> You know, he has you rooting for the Viet Cong. He has a point of view uh, set in his life experiences from the 1960s, I am sure. But, yeah, like, it, it's interesting, you know, that, that people gravitate to, you know, these safe war movies, you know, because it's uh, creatures and aliens you don't know, people that you'll never meet. But it still is. And go to Batu, like, on Galaxy's Edge, and that that is a... a uh, on the outskirts planet that was minding its own damn business run by a run by a crime boss and and now they're like stuck between rebels you know entrenched in their their sacred runes and uh and the empire showing up to to take care of business you know what i mean and it's it's not going so well for the people that's like a dual occupation in a way <laughs> it's a sh- listen to be in the middle of a dual occupation is one of the shittiest things out there like it's just because most people don't even give a shit most civilians don't even want to be there they just want to go to work and provide a better future for their families they don't care about your idealistic battle like they just want to pay their taxes and be left the fuck alone (laughs) right and like i remember one time we were uh occupying this house to watch this intersection and the dude was he was the nicest dude and him and his family they were they were so uh warm and 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 taking us in and being a house host you know even though he didn't really have a choice um you know but he was accommodating and he was very um what's the word i'm looking for compliant i guess and and he used to work for uh tv stations he used to work for like news broadcasts all around Iraq, you know. Okay. And, and as soon as one news broadcast would get blown up or taken over, he'd just uproot and move to a new one and work from there. And so by the morning when we were leaving, he was like, "Can I ask you guys one favor?" And we're like, "What? What do, what do you need?" He goes, "Can you tie us up and blindfold us and leave us in the living room?" And we're like, "What?" He goes, "Can you, you know, tie us up, you know?" blindfold us like you would do to anybody else and leave us in the living room he goes why he goes so that way when we don't walk out in the morning and my neighbor comes looking for me he'll know that we weren't compliant with you guys yeah and we're like sure and so we fucking zip tied him and left him on the floor blindfold him and left in the morning before the sun came up so that way when he was discovered he wasn't discovered as being um you know, compliant with the U.S. forces, so that way they won't kill his entire family. Right. Yeah. And I mean, uh, not to say that I, I want all of this <laughs> detail in Star Wars. Like, there, there's a certain uh, niceness in it not hitting too close to home. <laughs> <laughs> I, there, there is room in the storytelling for, for some of the associated stuff. And I think, like, recently in the Bad Batch, like, they're, they're not getting deep diving into it, but there's been touches of it, you know what I mean? As you see the Empire, like, entrenching itself in the galaxy. 
and well, a couple different places and like what's going down, you know? And and that's why I love the Ryloth mystery. I hate the I guess beat Ryloth with the dead horse, but that's why I like the Ryloth issue because they weren't always the you know the Galactic Empire. They were the Republic and they were our allies and they they helped us. You know, two weeks ago they were helping us overthrow an occupational force that was suppressing our rights, and then now you're suppressing my rights. And you're just <laughs> like, this is fucking awkward because. Without you, we wouldn't have beat the Separatists, but then now you're becoming the Separatists. So right. And that complexity of the changing of power is 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 is, 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 is being demonstrated in a nice way on the Bad Batch right now. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I feel the Star Wars gets a lot of military stuff right now. The, I mean, it's just because of me. I'm always, like, really surprised that you're not, like, getting, like, at least some battlefield medics, like, doing some sort of space medicine. Like, sure, it's all fine and dandy to have, like, the back to tank and the droid. Uh, but like, they're, they're, I mean? they're, they're in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, a little. They're, a little, yeah, but the, yes. they're part of uh, Cody's troopers. They, they have a weird, like, hockey puck helmet yeah so like the field medics they're 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 one of my favorites i always want a little bit more of that but you know it it is what it is if you want you want a great scene watch uh, the opening of saving private ryan and there's a really beautiful like medic doing his job and it's it's heartbreaking but it's uh we would always watch it and like training montages when we were in the military to be like yeah you want to see some bad shit look at this that's a bad day (laughs) (laughs) but i don't know like I think doing that would kind of open up the door of like how this stuff works. And I think that only hurts star Wars when you start trying to figure out like how this stuff works. Right. Cause if you have a combat medic, then you kind of have to get into like, well, if you get hit with the blaster bolt, what kind of damage does that do? How, what does it do to your dermis? What does it do to your muscular tissue? What does it do to your vascular system? And, and does I it will... cauterizes everything when you hit? Like, you're kind of opening up, like, Pandora's box of, like, how, when you get hurt in Star Wars, how does that hurt you? And what can the medic do to fix that? Well, while, while I know you're not a big fan of the Solo movie, when, when Rio Durant gets shot, in the freaking ship when they're doing the entire like uh you know run with the train on the ice planet i was like oh dog that's the first time like you really see like a blaster shot and like what it does you know what i mean like how he's yeah. all singed and charred and i was like oh damn i was like shit got real and you had to do it <laughs> to the nice guy that said wookie <laughs> uh but, uh, I, I mean, I, I appreciated that because it was the first time I was like, yep, yeah, it's it's not just, like, a clean, like, cauterized thing. Uh, although, you know, I guess uh, Luke's lightsaber, his his dad's lightsaber wasn't working so great when he cut off uh, Panda Baba's arm because there was some blood. <laughs> was it wasn't cauterized so great. It was set to, like, 30 percent We want had it on training settings. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, like, you know, I, I, I like little details like that. But, yeah, I do think uh, you do have to keep some fantasy and whimsy, like, within it. Like, by all means, we we don't need the 100%, like, gritty war movie yet. So there's a place for it somewhere in the future, though, or an episode of something. You know? Like a, a rated R uh, Star Wars film? <laughs> like, even even in Mandalorian with, uh, like, you know, the end of season one when... Uh, 
when they've come and they've taken over the town, uh, Grief Cargo's town. Like, you know, there's you with all the, the troopers and everything that's going down, and you're like, okay, this this feels sort of real. There's there's lots of vehicles <laughs> and and uh you know, even the the two uh, uh range scout troopers, you know, <laughs> those guys were so realistic. <laughs> They're just like talking to each other, you're like, Yep, that's how we talk to each other. <laughs> that was the most realistic banter. I was like, Oh, I, I honestly they should just keep bringing those guys back in different stormtrooper outfits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, like, it was spot on. Yeah. I would I would recommend uh, the movie Fury if you want to see a lot of uh, banter between guys like, doing a job where you're like, yeah, that reminds me a lot of like different stuff that goes down in different different avenues. <laughs> yeah. Best job I ever had. <laughs> it's good. It's a good movie. Yeah, it is a good movie. I dig that movie. Um, what else? I mean, I guess we could like it. It, it needs to be said. Like, it's not really the elephant in the room, but like, not only did uh, the military inspire Star Wars, but Star Wars inspires the military. Uh, very not uncommon to see like Mandalorian patches back when it was just Boba Fett. You know what I mean? The Mando crest or the Mythosaur. Uh, literally, they have a robotics program that in the Pentagon to like work on like new limbs for amputees, and it's named after Luke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You could go back to the 1980s with Reagan's Star Wars space program against the evil empire. Um, I've heard of, like, uh, soldiers in Iraq, like, calling their bunkers R2-D2s, like, because they were domes to, like, protect them. Uh, Even, like, a story I was reading about a 93-year-old Pentagon analyst who was named Yoda. That was his nickname. (laughs) You know what I mean? There's there's all sorts of stuff, like, in there, Uh, more than just, like, you know, military history on display or whatnot. So uh, the, one inspires the other, which then inspires back. It's a, a, a interesting cycle. <laughs> yeah. You know, or even like just a shout out to First Lieutenant James Earl Jones, like a veteran, like the voice of Darth Vader, uh, a military man himself, fought in the Korean War. You know, there's a there's there's all sorts of interesting like military angles you could go with. Yes. <laughs> yes but i don't know i think clone wars did a good job of kind of digging its hills in the military aspect where they didn't do in the any of the other films you know with the rank and file structure of with the clone troopers and the droid the droid the separatist army and kind of the uh standardizing of weapons like it's always weird it's not always weird but it's always nice to see you know Stormtroopers who have the original long blasters compared to the reissued shorter blasters. Because, you know, if you're a uh, Genosha veteran and you're you're given the the DC-15 or whatever, like, that's your baby. Like, you're sticking. You're not going with the newer issue. Like, there's nothing wrong with your DC-15. Like, you're sticking with it. Right. All right. I mean, I've talked to the Vietnam veterans that, like, they got their hands on an AK-47 and found out they didn't jam covered in mud. And they were like, I spent a lot of the war fighting with the enemy's weapon. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it just worked. It was it was just as accurate and it didn't jam. So, uh, yeah, until until some, you know, officer came and said, get that crap out of your hands. Use American metal. And then, yeah. No. So well. No. We, we, <laughs> when you're out in the field away from brass you get away with a lot <laughs> yeah and by brass uh we're of course talking about like higher ranking officers yeah, yeah, yeah. uh for everybody 
Might as well when translate ourselves. <laughs> when you're out there with just, you know, a, a, a first lieutenant and your a platoon sergeant, you know, whatever you got, you got. But I'm thinking of, like, cool military moments. I I mean, episode two, uh, yeah, it ranks low on my on my Star Wars list, but on, on Geonosis, when the clones first show up, and especially that shot of just that line of, like, clones moving forward against the droids with all the dirt and the grit and the blasters and everything, I'm just... Oh, pretty. You know what I mean? And and good military. Like, the clones show up and you're like, oh, shit got real. We're dealing with the real military now. You know what I mean? The drop ships and, and command centers and all that jazz against them bastard automatons. Oh, I, I fucking hate droids. Uh, that's, that drop scene is beautiful. And I think that's why I like that episode, episode two so much. It's just for the end. <laughs> When, yeah. when 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 they when the clone troopers show up and it turns into a complete full scale invasion, yeah, like that's just done beautifully, you know. And again, you know, Jedi already, you know, given the rank of general, even yeah. though they didn't even know they were generals, which I find hilarious. <laughs> like, oh, I'm commanding a division. Okay, uh, sure. And I mean, if you're really looking for like some parallels with like contemporary military you you have to look at the the organized bad guys in as much as like they have like specialized you know equipment specialized troops uh formations <laughs> battle machines you know what i mean all sorts of different like basically an, an atat is a tank it's a walking yep. tank but it's a tank <laughs> yep. you have the artillery support you got the air support you know you have you know communication support right you can block communications and disrupt you know flanks and keep people from entering and leaving the battlefield you know it's a, it's a lot of power right that they have and they demonstrate and i mean lucas did intend for like you know the the empire is not america so much like in a pure analogy but like if if you're looking at a, a parallel right to the real world America is not the rebels. <laughs> like, no, you know what I mean? No, no, they're not. And, and it's funny, too, because I remember when you messaged me about this topic, probably the day before, two days before, I was reading an, an analytic article about the Af- the forever war, the Afghan war. Right. It essentially, is the 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 person who wrote it, I forgot who it was now, but they're, they're saying, it's like, how do you, you know... Is it, is it possible to lose a war when you've never lost a single battle? And the answer is yes. And America showed that with, I mean, not just, you know, not with just Afghanistan, but also with Vietnam. If you look at wins, you know, we're going to be in the win column if that's your perspective. But if you look at objectives on the battlefield and doing what you intended to do and leaving kind of your your presence or whatever you were intending to do yeah we failed on both those accounts and we lost the stability that we were hoping to implant and i feel that's a good reflection on the empire right is you know yeah the the couple of yeah they lost the death star like yeah that's a big lose and and they lost the second death star which is also a big lose and they lost their emperor which is a big loss but for the most part like they're win 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 like they don't really lose much and they have the numbers they have the technology 
I mean, they have such a, a force where they don't need other species to participate in their military, which is significant, right? They're all human-based. The Emperor only wanted a humanoid military. And especially when you're in outer space, your your, your population is composite of different, different species. Right. Unless they cha- Did they change that in the new canon, or is that just old canon? The, the, I mean, there's there's very, very limited. You know, you got Thrawn. Uh, yeah. But there, there's not a lot of examples of, like, non-human uh, Imperials. Like, maybe, like, spies and, like, people that are, like, a spy networks and everything. But as far as, like, ground-pounded military, you don't see it. Which has, yeah. like, you know, corollaries to, like, you know, the massacre race in Germany and whatnot. But, you know, it, it's, it's on the nose, but it's not. <laughs> But, I, I mean, yeah, that entire idea of, like, superior military dominance in perpetuity, uh, it's not a thing. You know what I mean? Like, you can you can go historically to just see, like, lots of, of great civilizations and organizations, which by all means should have lasted forever and been able to, to beat any foe or adversary that it just didn't work out that way. <laughs> nope. Uh, plucky bad guys, plucky good guys will uh, will find a way. And sometimes it's just all about, like, the the risk versus reward. Like, literally, like, American Revolution. Like, not to speak bad about, like, any of the Founding Fathers or, like, you know, Freedom Fighters or any of that jazz. But essentially, like, the, the Brits were just like, this shit's too expensive. Like, fuck, have your country. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> when, you, when you really roll down to it. Like, the, the Brits had the resources and the power to, like, come in and, like, exert their will if they were so inclined. But they were, they were disinclined because... Uh, you know, the Americans fought tooth and nail over, over many years and then got, like, other countries involved where they're just like, fuck, fine, have your bullshit, like, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be back. You'll be back. You'll John be... Adams. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, and I mean, like, literally, like, if you, like, Civil War, you know, American Civil War... Uh, you know, granted the Union won, and thank God they did, because slavery is awful. But, uh, you know, the Rebels, like, lasted a fucking long time with very limited shit. You know what I mean? Like, they, they started off on a on a semi-equal footing, but, like, that, that lasted a long, long time. And if uh, General Robert E. Lee hadn't decided that, you know, he didn't want to lose more people, it would have continued lasting uh, until, you know, basically every last person would have to be dead or the next person was willing to surrender. Um, and there's there's lots of examples. Those are just American examples. I'm an American historian for the most part. I do some medieval and and modern Europe, but, like, you know, where I get, where am I get my dandies is with all the American War stuff. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I, uh, Star Wars is interesting, you know, and I, I wonder what stories are going to... I'm really excited for that Rogue Squadron movie. I want a really badass, like, fighter pilot movie, like... Top Gun and shorts and aliens in space. <laughs> See, like, I'm the opposite. Like, I want, like, red tails. I want dogfights. Like, I want it to be closer to the World War II vision that George Lucas had than fucking, than whatever the fuck they're doing with, like, Poe Dameron and his space drifting or whatever the fuck he's doing. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think Rogue Squadron is Poe Dameron. I think uh, it is. No, but I mean, like, fighting, like, the... The, the the fighting style, not like yeah. the character, but like like I want to see like you know similar to like dogfights, you know like like they had a New Hope and the 
you know, Empire and and Return. Like, yeah, that's the stuff I want to see. Well, like rec- recommending books, like I've 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 filleted the the Alphabet Squadron trilogy very much. I haven't finished it, but I mean, I'm like 150 pages away from being done. Just enjoy the shit of it, or go to uh, the Aftermath book uh, by Chuck Wendig, Empire's End, where they do the Battle of Jakku. There's some really cool ass stuff that happens there too. Uh, there, there's some very enjoyable, and the, the comics have done some really fun stuff. Um, but the movies primarily have been like where you've seen like the battle stuff, you know. And yeah, like it's it's hard. You can only uh, dogfight so much in space. Hopefully, uh, Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron will remedy some of that and give us like a really good gritty like you know fighter pilot like movie. And and I've, I've got some hope, you know, based on her saying like she's going to be inspired by the previous source stuff, like the books and the and the um, video game. So there there is hope, and we're going to get more content. We're going to get more Mando. I don't think Book of Boba Fett's going to lean too heavy in the military, but I mean, who knows? Uh, I, Cassian Andor, I think, is going to give us a lot of great Rogue One vibes uh, with stuff going on, and then we are going to get like the the not the infancy of the Empire, but early Empire in the Obi Wan series. So who knows what will what will be there for us? But I think uh, I don't know. I, do you think we did a pretty good job discussing like the military in Star Wars, at least uh, cursory? Yeah, I think we did all right. Yeah, I mean it's if it hopefully our discussion gave you some new things to ponder, um, just from our particular point of views. Uh, I honestly neither one of us made lists. We just sort of talked extemporaneously. So you know, good or bad, we did the best we could <laughs> on the fly, <laughs> just talking about it. Just had, winging it. Yeah, we had some general ideas. But uh, what are your what are your final thoughts on Star Wars and the military? I think for the majority of the part, I think functionality they're on the right track, right? The, with the rank structure, the weapons, you know, somewhat of the armor. Um, you know, and and just the the camaraderie and the bonding between the soldiers and kind of how that perspective is done. I think they've done a good job. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I mean even just the fact that like the books or the the physical media like gets you thinking in that regard. If you are a vet, like yeah, I think I think that's righteous. Like literally, I have like my ACU hat that has like the battle patch, which is the Rebel Alliance logo, and it, it makes me really happy. You know, I'm like to to combine those two things. Uh, a lot of things I own in Star Wars come in OD green, <laughs> which is a, a very very Vietnam of me. <laughs> yeah. The uh, I, I don't I don't get too far from uh from my 14 years of service. It just uh, it it's it in my blood just as much as Star Wars is in my blood. And sometimes those two things mix and coagulate. Uh, I got to deal with them clots and figure it out. <laughs> get get out of my system. Do a podcast just so I can get some of these thoughts down into the etherwebs. But, yeah, I mean, just hopefully we gave you some some interesting points to ponder. If you have any uh, comments, questions, custom discussing, like, drop a line, like, uh, on the post and laugh it up fuzzballs the Facebook group or shoot an email, laugh it up fuzzball podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can tweet at me at Wookie Riot, uh, Twitter, or I guess you call it Instagram of me if it's on the IG. <laughs> it's at Wookie Riot on both of those. Danny doesn't doesn't do the well. He does the Instagram, but he doesn't advertise it. But he's completely available for comments on the Laughing Up Fuzzballs Facebook group. Plug 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 plug. Uh, of course, the podcast is hosted at Anchor.fm/slash/laugh-it-up-fuzzball. 
Uh, we need to figure out how to do a cool military Star Wars shirt, something or other, that doesn't get pulled by uh, Disney. I, I, I hear a call to our artists out there. Yeah. Uh, that'd, that'd be fun to have a cool design, an OD green design. I don't think T-Public does OD green, but <laughs> maybe maybe fix some, figure something out. Like Veteran of the Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where, where it's not specifically Star Wars. Genosian <laughs> uh, veteran. But yeah, if you want to buy a cool shirt, which potentially could have like a, a military-inspired Star Wars-ish thing in the future, uh, tpublic.com slash user slash laugh dash it dash up dash fuzzball. Uh, there's some pretty cool designs up there with hopes of more in the future. The future. Uh, that's, that's a bad, bad pronunciation of the word future. <laughs> But uh, we we appreciate you like hanging out with us for a little bit of rambling, a little bit of rambling about some military stuff. Some stuff. Yes. Yeah. Okay. No, it was, it was good talk. It was good talking. I feel like there's probably around two uh, in a couple years from now when we have more of a structured topic <laughs> when we're not winging it. But yeah, uh, yeah. Who knows? Maybe Mando season three will be a little bit more military inclined, and I'll get my my jollies off and talk about how wonderful seeing weapon malfunctions in the elevator is. Cause ah, yes. <laughs> weapon malfunctions. And, and sometimes you can fix something just by brute force. It's, it's not, not advised, but it's possible. <laughs> it's it's it, when you're in a hunch, when you're in a pinch, it's okay. <laughs> you do the best you can. I, I just appreciate the, you know, they, they had to switch out like, you know, canisters. <laughs> <laughs> like, granted, it's an energy weapon, but the energy has to come from somewhere. Uh, Einstein taught me that. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. And I don't ask, because then that opens up too many doors of questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's fine. It's a battery that doesn't run out. Cool. Got it. Moving on. <laughs> or it doesn't run out in the time that the battle happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Danny. I appreciate it, man. Always, my brother. All right. We'll uh, catch you all on the flip side. Uh, thank you to all the anybody that's listening that's a, a vet or a troop. Hey, shout out to you. Uh, yours in service. We appreciate each and every person doing their thing. Uh, and if you're not, cool. Thanks for being a civilian because uh, you keep us in business. No. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't do it without you. <laughs> you got to be civilians to protect or else you're just uh, playing war games in Louisiana for poke. And really oh. hot and sweaty, and we've both done it. Yeah, yeah. 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 I got pickled prickle heat, and that shit sucks. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's from under sweaty down there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll catch you guys on the flip side, and until the next episode of the podcast, which probably is going to be the Loki Wanda or uh, Loki Black Widow spoiler, we'll uh, we'll see you then, and uh, yeah. we appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for being classy. Be excellent to each other and party on, dudes! TTFN, Danny the Deuce, uh, Corporal Deuce of the Galactic <laughs> Republic, and uh, General Joe the Wookiee Riots. Yeah. He, he of the Longshoremen. I don't even know. What the fuck? <laughs> We're out. We're this out. is Corporal Deuce, and you're dismissed. <laughs>